Hello, my name is Steve Brown, and I'm the worship leader at Vintage Faith Church. At Vintage Faith, we believe the Word of God is what changes and transforms a person. We hope you enjoy the next 30 to 40 minute sermon of the Word of God being proclaimed and explained. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Vintage Faith Church. Pastor Anthony here. I'm glad you're worshiping with us this morning. So grab your coffee and get ready in wherever you are, in your bedroom, in your living room, um, with your kids, alone. We just are glad that you're here with us this morning. Just a few announcements before we get ready and we begin to worship. We sent an email out last week. It's a Q&A format we're doing next week, where if you have a question about the Bible, a question that you've, maybe it's been on your mind for, for years or, or weeks or months, who knows, but you've always wanted to ask it, you can send that in. We put an email address on the email newsletter where you can send that question in and we will at, we will attempt to answer that question on camera for next week's service. We're gonna try to get through as many as we can. Um, it's anonymous, so you can, we might know who you are when you email the question in, but we will not um, say, hey, this question is from so-and-so when we actually answer that. So again, if you have a question that, that's been nagging you about the, the, the Bible, your faith, something, we would love to just serve you by answering that question. Vintage Faith, good morning. I hope we're all doing okay. The scripture that we're going to read together this morning is coming from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 to 12. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask that you would do a work in our hearts, help us to understand and dig into your word. Pray that you would empower me to, to speak your word and that we would grasp it and really apply it in Christ's name. Amen. Warren Wiersbe is a pastor in Chicago. He's also an author and a theologian. He said this, Life's trials are not easy, but in God's will, each has a purpose. Personally, I seem to learn better from hard times. When everything's easy, we tend to coast, to take things for granted. We're all suffering because of COVID-19. Cut off from family and friends. Some people have lost jobs. The economy's in a free fall. We can't meet as a church. We have to, when we go to the store, retail or grocery store or wherever, we have to wear a mask. 
Recently, I, I had to wait in line with a mask on it because they weren't only letting in so many people, they were limiting the numbers of people coming into that store. You may be wondering, how can I face this trial as a believer? We're going to look at two questions. One, why is God allowing this trial that's affecting the whole world, the purpose? What is God's purpose behind this? And then how should we respond to suffering? That's our response to God's purpose. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. This is the story of Paul and Silas at Philippi. They went there to establish a church in that city. And while they were establishing that church, they suffered greatly for their faith. We can learn from their example in in this sense, how to respond to trials as a Christian. The background with regard to Acts chapter 16, this is the background with regard to the church starting in Philippi is this. During Paul's second missionary journey, Paul was given a vision to go to Macedonia. It's called the Macedonian vision. This was around 50 AD. So he gets this vision, and they're basically saying, come over and help us. And so Paul and his team head over to Philippi, which is north of Greece. Philippi was a Roman colony made up of Roman citizens. They dressed like Romans, spoke Latin. Many of the, those folks who lived in that city were retired military who were given land because of their service to the empire. Paul and Silas established this church under severe testing, About 10 or 11 years after Paul and Silas were in Philippi, he writes to this church and encourages them to live joyfully under the circumstances of suffering and trials. Acts chapter 16 is the story of a new church plant in the midst of suffering. So how can we learn? How can we learn from this story? Let's read it now. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 and following. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, this is, of course, where Lydia comes to faith early on in the chapter, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So she's demon-possessed. She's able to predict the future. She earns a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you to wait to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of the Lord Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So now she's delivered from demon possession. Paul cast out the demon through Christ. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. This is where court would be held in the agora, the marketplace. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And so they're saying they, they're saying they did something totally different than what actually happened. Paul and Silas delivered this girl from demon possession but they were saying that Paul and Silas were insurrectionists, were rebels. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped. So now they're naked. They're beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. And this is exactly the same word that's used of Jesus when he was flogged. Some believe it was a cat of nine tails. It would be a stick with nine leather straps on it, and on those straps were metal or lead or pieces of bone that would tear into the flesh. And after they were beaten and and flogged, they were thrown into prison. 
The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when they received their orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So now they're naked, bleeding, and in chains in this prison for basically helping somebody come to faith in Christ. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And this is what would happen. If you were a Roman soldier and your prisoners escaped, you would be mocked and tortured and eventually killed to take their place. And so he was going to avoid that and just kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all alive. So how should we respond to suffering? In Acts 16, which we just read in verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You know, they were suffering for their faith. They did something that was pleasing to God, and yet we're suffering because we lost our freedom. It's easy when we suffer trials of whatever kind to complain, to whine, to blame God, or to get depressed. But here, Paul and Silas, while they're in prison, they're naked, they're bleeding, they're in this dirty, dark dungeon prison, and they're praying to God. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And that is the context of trials. When you're going through a trial or a difficulty or you're suffering in some way, ask God to give you the wisdom why that is happening to you. Not why me, God, but Lord, what is it that you're trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? Not only did they pray, but they also, it says, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. It's easy when we suffer to just be like everyone else who doesn't know Christ, to complain. This is easy for me to do. Complain, whine, blame God, get depressed. But they were rejoicing. They were singing this goes against human nature, doesn't it? To rejoice when we suffer. But why, why is it that Christians can rejoice in suffering? Because we know that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that what is happening to us and to the world around us is something that God has control over and he's allowing it for a purpose. He has a purpose. In the midst of this suffering, Paul and Silas started the church at Philippi, and Paul later wrote to them about 10, 11 years later, and he says this to the church at Philippi. Now, when he writes the letter to the Philippians, he's under house arrest in Rome. This is his second imprisonment. Paul has quite a rap sheet. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Try this. Because I have to do this. Try this. When you're feeling down, depressed, discouraged because of trials or difficulties, things happening in your life, maybe during this whole thing that's going on, just thank God for the good things in your life as well as the things you don't like. I do this from time to time when I'm just feeling like lower than the sidewalk, and it just helps. Because happiness comes from favorable circumstances. Joy comes from God. Even in trials, we can have joy. In fact, one of the fruits of the Spirit, it says, love, joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It's produced by the Holy Spirit no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. C.S. Lewis, 
great writer, huge impact, a Christian writer who's had a huge impact on the world, gone home to be with Christ many, many years ago, but wrote this. When the whole world is running toward a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. It's easy when the world around us is complaining and worried and concerned, and when the Christian is rejoicing in the trial and the difficulties they're facing, people think you've lost your mind, and yet you're operating in a way that's totally different than the world around us. James chapter 1 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, and you're going, wait a minute, why would you consider it joy when you're going through trials? Verse 3 says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking, not lacking anything. So God sends trials in our lives to build our character as well. Think about the trial this virus has brought into your life. Some people have lost jobs. They have money issues. They're confined into their, in their homes. They've lost that freedom. Cabin fever has set in. Relationships get strained. There's a loss of fellowship with churches because they can't meet together. But the question you have to ask yourself is, how are you facing these trials? Are you angry, mad at God, the government, or those doctors? Depressed? If it's not a chemical imbalance, depression really could be a result of blocked goals. I'm a very task-oriented person. When I make a list of things, I want to accomplish those things. There are many times I can't do what I want to do. Proverbs tells us hope deferred makes the heart sick. But are you running in a different direction than the world around you? If you're rejoicing through the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are. Warren Wiersbe says this also. He says this with regard to trials. The trials of life can be God's tools for engraving his image on our character. So God uses the trials to develop our character. But the second question is, why is God allowing this suffering? What is his purpose? We go back to Acts chapter 16. The jailer called for lights. This is just before he wanted to kill himself, and Paul says, don't do it. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his household. At that very hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Just think about this. They were beaten. They were lying there in their own blood. And yet he takes them out and washes their wounds, bandages them up. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. After he comes to faith, he gets baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So why is God allowing the suffering? What is the purpose of it? God can use the suffering that's in your life and my life and in the church around the world to bring people to Christ. The jailer and his whole family came to faith in Christ and were baptized. But why? Because they saw the reality of the gospel in Paul and Silas' life. If they were whining and complaining and have this giant pity party, woe is me, I think there would be a different result from the jailer and his family. Like, there's nothing there. But because they were rejoicing, because they were 
rejoicing in the troubles that had come upon them to show the reality of the Christian life. During Paul's last Roman imprisonment before his death, he writes in 2 Timothy 2, this is my gospel. Now think about the gospel. The gospel is God coming to earth. Jesus comes to earth, takes on human flesh, lives the perfect life, dies on the cross, rises again. That's the good news because Jesus has offered eternal life as a free gift. That's why it's called the gospel. That's why it's called good news, because he did the work. Paul says this, This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Each time Paul was imprisoned, he was able to preach the word. God is using this COVID-19 crisis to reach more people. Even though you feel like a prisoner in your home, God's word is not going to be chained. There's another reason I think God is allowing this for his church is he can use it, our suffering as a church, to build us up, to build his church. In Acts 16, verse 40, he says, After Paul and Silas came out of prison, out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house. Now, of course, Lydia was the first one who was converted in Philippi, down by the river. Apparently, the church was meeting in Lydia's home. They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, and then they left. During this crisis, you and I have more time for reflection for our families, for a slower pace. The weather's been way too cold for me to ride my road bike, so I've been walking two miles every other day, and it is, it's time for me to be able to pray, pray for my family, pray for the church, pray for the country. It's time to really reflect on God. There's been some really neat stories I've heard with regard to people in our church, people helping others, giving gift cards and money, going, delivering groceries. Churches in Syracuse providing food for medical staff. Churches around the United States helping. Samaritan's Purse going and being in Italy and in New York City helping those in great need. So God is using his church even in the time of suffering to build his church and edify it. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. I feel that every day as I get older. My body doesn't work like it used to. He says, Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our low, light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, all the troubles and difficulties we see in this world. We don't fix our eyes on those things, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God tells us to rejoice in our sufferings. How are you responding to suffering, to trials? Complaining, anger, pity party, depressed? Paul and Silas prayed and rejoiced. When we rejoice and thank God, we demonstrate faith that God is in control, that he is allowing this. Do you see God's hand in all this suffering? Paul and Silas saw people come to Christ and the church of Philippi established in the midst of their suffering. I see more people open to Christ and the gospel. God's church is now online. More people can see these messages. Of course, only God knows 
if his church is stronger. C.S. Lewis says this, I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurts us so much, are what makes us perfect. Let's pray. God, I, I don't like trials, and yet I can see the benefit of them, and I thank you for them. Lord, I ask that you'd help us as we listen to your word, that we would truly rejoice in our trials and difficulties that you allow, that you send in our lives, that you bring to us to make us more like Christ, that you would strengthen our church and the church in America and around the world, that you would use the things that are happening to bring more people to Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Maybe you have questions about the Bible or God or how to have a relationship with Jesus. We'll be having a Q&A time for the message next week. Just email us your questions. You can email Steve or Facebook message us. Also, if you, if you don't have a way to read the Bible, why not download the U version? The logo will be up on the screen. We have free Bibles at church. If you'd like, request one and we'll mail it to you. Why not start reading the Gospels, which is the story of the life of Jesus? And when we resume again, come join us. Thank you for listening to the Vintage Faith Podcast. At Vintage Faith, our vision is to help people who are far from God to become totally devoted followers of Jesus. We pray that this podcast brought you closer to God. For more information, check us out at VintageFaithCicero.com.